How does it feel? It uh, feels like times have changed.
James Bond. 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 James Bond. Tom, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir.
world domination. Same old dream. If you do need time. Why should I need more time? Job's done. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the sounds of Ace Skills and Crafty Cuts. vivid memory when I was eight years old. My mom was recovering from a back surgery and I was running around the house pretending to be an assassin. Totally normal. Now imagine this. This is like tiny ass apartment. My mom is laid up on her stomach and I'm in my best set of tidy whities most definitely Hanes. I have every Nerf gun I have wrapped around my waist using my dad's belts. And I pop my head around the corner and I do this like fully executed tumble and I land in a fighting stance and I fire a nerf bullet into the distance, boom, whispering into my invisible watch. I'll be in and out in six flat. And that's when my mom calls cold. I swear to God, if your food gets cold, if I have to tell you one more time, I will break all your toys, everything. I will break everything. Yeah, I know. Wanting to be an assassin is a very weird goal for an eight-year-old. But that was my chosen profession. And I would play like that for hours. I was the king of make-believe, y'all. The king of being more than what I was. I whisper again into my invisible watch and I say, uh, my bad. Bond is gonna have to meet you at the drop-off point after dinner. And who I pretended to be above all else was the baddest person I knew. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Some men just don't like to be driven. No, some men just don't like to be taken for a ride. It doesn't bother you killing those people. Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. I mean, come on. Who wouldn't want to be James Bond? 
He's chill. He's tough. Everyone likes him. He does important work saving the world and whatnot. And yo, he gets mad honeys all while rocking this ridiculous bespoke black tux. And so I thought, maybe this awkward Dominican kid from Queens could actually become him in one way or another. Bond. Jaime Bond. Harry Bond. Bondissimo. For the record, my name is not Bond. It's Rivas. Christopher Rivas. And I'm not an assassin. But then again, would I really tell you if I was? Think about it. I am the next best thing, though. An actor. And a writer. And a yada yada multi-hyphenate creative. You get the idea. I live in L.A. now. Pretty dang far from 102-17-64th Road in Queens. But being back in my old apartment building, I remember so fiercely my childhood dream of being Bond and how far away that dream felt for a half-Dominican, half-Colombian kid like me. Now, what you just heard was the beginning of a podcast series called Ruby Rosa. And what is Ruby Rosa? Who was Ruby Rosa? Who is Chris Rivas? Well, what you just heard was the beginning of a podcast that is about someone you've probably never heard of. And Chris Rivas will tell us not only who that person is, and if you listen to the podcast, well, let's put it this way. Let me just introduce Chris Rivas. Chris, are you there? here what's going on everybody what's going on chris so chris first question i have for you before we get into the podcast and who ruby rosa is and if if people don't know by now i've been giving every hint in the world as to who ruby rosa is and the connection to james bond but my, my first question to you is when did you first know you wanted to be a storyteller i was in college and I was studying theater, and I was a, one of the only people of color in my acting program. And this, this playwright sent me this email that said, Yo, Rivas, check this out. And it was this Vanity Fair article about this man named Porfirio Rubirosa. And my whole world just kind of stopped uh, or opened up completely. And I was like, how is, not, how is everyone not obsessed with this guy? And that's the moment I first found out about him. That article did not say anything in relation to Bond. That was like later research and other articles that have come out since. But that was the first moment when I was in when I was in college. All right. Well, I have to ask you now, just going back, because uh, I listen to your podcast and I can relate to it. I grew up in Queens. Uh, I'm, I'm... Hey. <laughs> so I grew up in Queens. I love James Bond. I wanted to be James Bond. I made up my own James Bond like characters. So uh, all of that. And I used to do uh, actually I started on radio doing uh, sort of a James Bond in outer space character uh, as a radio drama. That's that's how I started wow. on radio. Cool. So uh, so I'm a total total Bond nerd. But uh, you know you you did a podcast that is not only about the connection between who this person is and how he influenced Bond, but it's also 
what I think is beautiful. It's an opportunity for you to get to know your dad better. It's a better, an opportunity for you to get to know your culture better. It's an opportunity to know uh, history, world history, American history, uh, Dominican uh, history. So, there's so much, and it's such a rich project. I have to go backwards a little bit here just to what did James Bond mean to you? Because uh, that little moment I played, could you hear? I, I was playing the beginning of your... Yeah, I could hear it, yep. Okay. So what did that mean to you as a kid? And at what point for you was that realization? Because I, I know for myself, you know, one of the things you touch upon in your podcast is just code switching as to not necessarily realizing that you, quote unquote, want to be white, but you want to be accepted. You want to be cool. You want to be everything that is what you're shown is desirable. So talk to me about bond in your life. Yeah. So as a little kid, I mean, you, you may heard it. Uh, that was me. Like, I got <laughs> love Nerf guns. I made my mom buy me all the Nerf guns and I would run around and strap them to my body and everywhere I could and pretend to be bond or at least pretend to be this, you know, this great assassin, uh, who was on these, epic mission to save the world or save the day. And I did this for many, 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 many years. Uh, that's sort of the impact on me as a child. Fast forward and I'm an actor and I want to, I want to be in those action movies. Right? Like I want to be Bond. That's, that's something I want. Uh, Bond has never looked like me. Uh, name a lot of action movies. They never looked like me. They never looked like my cops. So that's Bond's relation in my entire life. He's a thing that is this great story, and only a select few get to be him or play him if we're thinking about acting, which is, you know, what you said about code switching. And even if you can't name that you're aspiring for whiteness, it is something that is sold to you from a very young age, something that is sold and braided into you from, a, like, from when you look at the TV and you don't see yourself. Well, I, I, again, I 100% agree. And, and, you know, again, especially as a child, having the, the images that reflect you, uh, heroes that you can look up to that look like you, uh, is, is something I, I feel can't be overstated. So let me ask you now, in college, uh, you know, you were already knowing you wanted to study acting. Uh, did your friends know you were a James Bond fan? Like, what, what made this person give this article to you? Yeah, so I've, I've, I've been acting since I was in high school. I was performing arts. Like high school, I, I was always acting and knew I wanted to study it because I just felt like studying. I could learn more than I, than I could out in the world. Uh, and I don't know if that's still true now. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, uh, that's I am, but I'm grateful for the, for the place that I went to. It's how I, uh, Yes, people knew I loved Bond. People knew I loved Bond. They knew I loved the movies. They knew I loved, like, action stuff. Uh, that if I were going to do movies, that that was my goal. And then the, the person who sent me the article, Peter Jensen, he just he just thought I would really vibe with him because he, he was a Dominican man. You know, I think he actually saw a lot of Ruby in me, uh, which is what he talks about in the podcast. Like, he, he saw things in this man, Papito Rubirosa's life that he saw in me, this young kid in college. And and I don't think he was wrong, right? I think I think we do share things, which is why 
when you when you discover some of the darker things about Rubirosa's life, I get I start to ask myself, oh, is this like a thing to become or a warning of what not to become? Well, you know that that also brings up an interesting um, a point too. Just the, the idea. You know, I, I, I worked on a, a documentary about bad boys and, and I got to interview uh, Michael Wilson, Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli. And I asked Whoa. them, yeah, and I asked them about, you know, is James Bond a bad boy? And they were like, well, he's a bad boy, but he's a good boy. You know, because he's saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just curious. Um, in in terms of you know the the Ruby Rosa, I want to get to because I think he's even much much more fascinating in reality than than Bond in a way. But uh, what was that for you? Like, did people see you as a ladies' man? Did they see you as cool? Like, what what do you feel were the Bond qualities or the or the Ruby Rosa qualities that 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 you connected with? What were the things that you connected with? I think it was the coolness. It was the ladies' man stuff, you know, which, which I think inherently is, is not even... It, it's this ability to talk and be present with everybody. And I think that's something Ruby Rosa and Bond kind of has, is he can always be charming. and He can always show up and, and, and somehow make himself comfortable in a space, but also, like, pick up presence. And so I think all of that... When I first read about Rui Rosan, forget the Bond stuff. When you when you think about his life, is he, I mean, he's the real Forrest Gump, is what I say. Like, he was everywhere. Hitler's Germany, Fidel's Cuba, you know, best friends with Sinatra, Kennedy, all these things. And the fact that I never heard of him, leave Bond out of it, I was shocked. Well, you know, it, it's interesting that that you you say you discovered it from this Vanity Fair article, and and throughout your podcast, you have other people who discovered Ruby Rosa through various other ways. Uh, what 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 were some of the things that that stood out most to you? Because there's so many things. The fact that this is a person who had all of these skills, a race car driver, uh, you know, uh, or give me a little bit of. of Anything particularly that blew you away? What blew me away most was two things. I mean, the fact that because of all of his marriages and the people he married, he was twice the richest man in the world. Like, that's that's an accomplishment of some kind. <laughs> you know, like, not to do it once, but to do it twice. Even if it's only through marriage, it's impressive. Uh, the other thing is truly how close he was to so many incredible political and world changes, right? So, like I said, whether it's Hitler's Germany, whether it's an uprising in Cuba, you know, as Fidel comes in and starts a revolution, whether it's running guns for the New York City mob during Cuba's heyday, you know, when Cuba was like the, the playground of New York City. Uh, whether it's, you know, living in Argentina with Eva uh, Perón, hanging out on JFK's yacht, chilling with Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra. It's really, it was just like the name dropping was so insane 
I was like, I know every one of these people's name. Why don't I know this thing that has this other person that's been with all of them? Uh, and all right, now, as a in many ways, you have to become like an investigative journalist to put this put this to this project together. But just in researching him, what what's what's your take on that? I mean, is it just as insidious as it seems, or or you know why, or is it partially because of you know the darkness you discovered? Like, what's your take? I think it's part darkness I discovered. I think it's part, I think there's a sadness to Ruby Dosa's life. We explore this in the, in the show. I see him as a man who is really desperate to be seen. Who like always wanted to be attention. Who always wanted to, to pass that hump from like husband of rich person to to the main to the main attraction uh you know who always wanted to be bond i mean he even remade the bond movie right like we talked about that he that's, tried to that's the crazy bond that's crazy that's crazy yes uh he tried to be an actor in hollywood it didn't work right like all of these things he tried and tried and tried the difference with all these other people is they didn't try they kind of did they were and there's this there's this grasping inside of Porfirio Rubirosa that I think never really allowed him that allowed him to sort of disappear. You know, I think everyone always thought, oh, he's just he's just the ladies' man, he's just the playboy. Like if it's not this woman, it will be the next, and so no more. I mean, he, another name, right? That poem that Langston Hughes writes about him, like Langston Hughes is thinking about this person, dedicating a poem to him. Uh, and again, I know Langston Hughes. I don't know Ruby. It's it's it is kind of crazy. I mean, what's your take on what he? Again, listening to and again, we're only touching upon things because you go into a lot of detail in the podcast. But just in that time period, that the way he was written about and the fact that he was so written about, uh, and and rumored to have there's a long list of very famous women who he has had <laughs> relationships yeah. with very long list that you list and it, it does bring into question um you know you know there, there's the question of whether bond should still be bond today is that popular is it is it you know someone that misogynistic and you know opportunistic which is something that comes mm -hmm. clear uh, to Portofino, uh, uh, to, it becomes clear about uh, Ruby Rosa, and but it also suggests a lifestyle. Like he had to adapt and survive and do what he did best, which is really what any of us try to do. So, what's your take on how he was perceived in in globally at the time? Globally, I mean, he was in the tabloids. He was a Kardashian. That's who he was. He was a Kardashian, which begs the question that I've actually never asked: like, would we, would we remember the Kardashians from now, or will we remember everyone <laughs> they hung out with? Right? Like, that's a very good question. That that's a very good question. Right? Right? Because he was a Kardashian. Because he was. 
he was I said he was tabloid, he was nude. He right, was, but but, but uh, then here's a the crazy boy, a party boy. Here's the crazy part. Then they find out like fifty years from now that Kim Kardashian was a spy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. So no, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. It it seems in, in many ways, um but that's the other thing that comes out. That kind of um lifestyle, living that kind of lifestyle, doing the kind of things he did that seem unbelievable. They seem unbelievable that he can do all these things. But it's also the best cover in the world. Uh, you know, uh, in many ways, you know, like Batman, you know, it's a great cover. Like you're, you're, you're hiding in plain sight. So what do you think that that plays into some of the idea of what he did besides be a playboy? Yeah. I mean, the whole spy stuff, like the FBI doesn't just follow you for fun and they don't follow you for, you know, 17 years just because you're a playboy. Right, so that is definitely a whole other level of, of of wild, and maybe it makes you think maybe that's why we don't know about him, right? Because we order these FBI files for the for the podcast, and you know they redact a ton of it, a ton. Interesting, interesting. So we don't really know everything, and and it is possible that yes, yeah, the FBI and the government can can make stories kind of like you know be hush hushed. Uh, but yeah, that's talk about a cover, like hiding in plain sight. Uh, but I also think that spy work, I don't know that it was for his own, and I don't know this, but I'm like, oh, is that for his own joy or is that just because that's his, you know, that's his job for Trujillo, who's, you know, one of the most violent dictators in the history of the world. Interesting. Well, you know, it, 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 here's what it also begs the question to me, uh, listening to uh, your podcast and thinking about uh, Ruby Rosa and thinking about James Bond. I mean, according to, uh, you know, one of your subjects who was actually friends with Ruby Rosa, he could charm the pants off anybody. But you do wonder, would people like James, would other men like James Bond? Would they admire what he does? But like, would you want to hang out with James Bond? You know, like somebody who's That's a great question. You know what I mean? Would you want him to get near your sister? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just curious. What's 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 your <laughs> what's your take on how he may or may not have been? Let, let's just say there could have been those who were jealous, or were there just admirers of his lifestyle. What do you think? Well, Taki, I'm, yes, I'm sure there was a ton of jealousy. I mean, even through heel, his boss, this dictator, was likely jealous of him, but also know he needed him, right? They have this sort of strange, crazy relationship. Now, now Taki, who was his friend that was there the night he died, was there for a lot of it, he, he sort of talks about Ruby as a mentor, right? Ruby, so that's different, right? When you when it's your mentor, he's teaching you how to dress, how to flirt, how to be that playboy. It's it's a different relationship than I'm friends with this guy. Now, most of the male friends he had in his life from from our research were also these rich playboys. Gotcha. You know, they were also Errol Flynn's and uh, Gunter Socks, and they were also these eccentric. Uh, rich party boy, you know, 
lover type. Well, you know, is party boy versus womanizer versus, you know, uh, you know, it could he, I don't even know if he could exist today uh, as as an icon. And that's it. That's totally <laughs> yeah, I don't it. know I mean, if he could exist Taki as an icon. It. Even Taki says it. Yes. Like, these two would wake up and go to a brothel on Tuesday at one o'clock. Like, it's a, it's a different world. Uh, we we don't have room for the not not that we should like, but it's a different world. So we don't have the Playboys and. Uh, you know, now we call them fuckboys and all Ooh, these. Well, you can't stay stuff. Oh, there it is. I hit the dump. Hopefully it's going to get me killed. Anyway, uh, well, l- let me ask you another question, though, Chris. Now, for, for you doing this project, um, you know, you said you found some similarities. And I have to wonder, you know, if you if you can acknowledge your own cool, how, how you know, where wh- this all fits in your life and, and what this project and you know, doing this, doing this podcast, how, what did you learn about yourself in the process of doing this? Because I kind of feel like your art, as you define your art, your art defines you. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, I also got to look intimately at, you talking about my father, right? I got a lot closer to my parents in this podcast because to me, Ruby far more than even Bond or him himself. I look at him as a signpost for better or for worse of how men of culture, bodies of culture, men of color can move through this world. And how this world, you know, everyone under the gaze of whiteness, it can either sort of take you away from yourself or bring you closer to yourself. And so my big takeaway in relation to Ruby is I've gotten to look at the ways in which I was also desperate to be seen. How I would do anything for for the next job or the next, like, date. Or, you know, I have a, a line in there that says, how I used to think the hand I hold is worth more than my own hand. Uh, so hmm. my big takeaway is is that who have I been who have I been living for or asking for or you know whose gaze whose eyes do I really want to see me in, and am I ready to am I ready to sort of see myself? Hmm. Well, you know, the other thing I, I'm, I, I, I think that that's somewhat profound. But the the other thing that that I'm seeing here in terms of, you know, you're you're an actor, and mm-hmm. you know, you're a James Bond lover, and 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 admittedly, we can get into like who the best Bond was because I know that you're mm-hmm. you're definitely in the uh, you're in a certain camp, okay. <laughs> And uh, and but I'd like to talk about that a little bit too. But um, now doing a podcast, and you know you've you've written a book uh, as well, which we could talk about a little bit. But now you have a podcast uh, coming up beyond this, and you know looking at people's lives and profiling people, brown people who have done things. And I'm curious from 
just not knowing about this person who would have inspired this iconic character uh, and and how that history, you know, all right, we could we could say, all right, maybe he was a Kardashian at the time. But uh, how much has wanting or just learning about the, the context and the history how much of that has that influenced what you want to do next and what you're doing with your life now? Yeah, I think a lot of it is how many more incredible untold stories of sort of people of culture haven't we heard? And that's not just Dominican, it's not Colombian, it's not even just like Latino or, you know, it's how many more incredible people have we lost uh, in the narrative. And if we bring those people back, what kind of medicine is that for young for young people who resonate with that person and the thing that they did? I, I think like a big takeaway at the beginning of this podcast for me is like, Pops, why didn't you tell me about this person? Like, aren't I supposed to know about great things and incredible people? Also, like, why didn't you tell me about the heel, right? Why didn't you tell me about the good or the bad? Isn't it important that we know where we come from? And I think it's incredibly important that all people know where they come from, the good and the bad. That that allows us, I think, to have a more richer life and to take up more space in where we are right now. Well, I I 100% uh, agree. And, and it's interesting because, um, you know, you're... You, now, what what is... where? When does your... Has your new podcast started? Uh, to, what's today? Uh, Monday? Two yeah. days from now. Wednesday is the first episode. Wednesday is the first episode. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it's on all, all platforms, correct? It's on, it's on the same feed as Ruby Rosa. It'll just transform over to Brown Enough. Oh, okay. So it's called Brown Enough, and that's also the name of your book? Correct. All right. And that's that's also... Now, uh, I, I, I also do a podcast um, called Brown and Black, and one of the things we were talking about on the show, on this week's episode, actually, is, and I'd, I'd love to get your take, especially considering what you're doing uh, and, and what you've done with, with Ruby Rosa. And, and uh, again, I, I love the fact that it's, yes, it's about Ruby Rosa, but it's also about you. It's about your family. It's about your heritage. It's about so many other things that, that we face as brown and black people. And, you know, we're, I guess we're in the middle of, Hispanic Heritage Month here in this country. And, you know, as, a, as an African-American, I can think of, you know, if you if you ask even the most racist of, you know, white supremacist to name three black historical figures, they, they could they could probably name them easily, uh, whether they respected them or not. But I, I don't know that the same can be said for uh Hispanic or Latin American figures, historical figures, and I want to know what's your take on that. Do you do you feel uh, that that is true? That that we know so little about Latin American history, or or do you feel that that's? I think that is beautifully said and beautifully articulated, and I hadn't heard it that way. And I even want to go beyond. Latin American history and say even the even the most white supremacists would know three incredible black figures 
but wouldn't know, you know, one famous Iranian, one famous South Asian, right, like right. one famous Indian, one, right? Uh, one famous Pakistani, one, you know, two famous Latinos. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a thing people are aware of. And that is a lot of what the book is about. That is a lot of what the podcast is about. It is not negating one experience or another, but it is expanding the richness between black and white. It is opening our eyes to other incredible change makers and people uh, and artists and creatives uh, somewhere in the middle between black and white. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think and I think you're right. I don't think they would be able to name those three people. Yes, and not not unless that I gave them the cheat code. You know, the cheat code would be all right. You can mention uh, actors and musicians. Then they go, oh, okay, uh, Cesar Romero. You know, so that, <laughs> that that's that's really uh, uh, what what it, it's it's just it's something that you you I I guess you don't or I, I hadn't really thought about un, until very recently. And, and that's it's something I admire about what you're doing with your book. Now, l let me ask you a little bit about Bond now. So for you, uh, you said, you know, is this, a, as an actor, is it a goal of yours? Would you like to play a secret agent? Uh, I mean, I know you're, you're doing other things that, that other people know you for. Uh, t talk to me. What, what's, how, how deeply embedded is Bond mythos and being a spy still in you? Like, how much do you I still mean, want to strap the Nerf gu gun on and shoot at your mom? <laughs> look, I don't have to be on, but yes, 100% sign me up for an action film. You know, sign me up uh, to do some cool stuff, to like, you know, do a mission. To, I'll even do a uh, taking, right? Like, I'll do it. I'll just, I just love, I loved those movies as a kid. I still love them now. Uh, I think I'd be great in it. I know I would be. <laughs> it's, still, it's still very embedded in me to want to portray that. You know, but that's because that's I'm an actor and they're fun for me. And I chose this profession because it's something I love, but it's also fun. Uh, it doesn't have to be Bond. I mean, I think something we do really beautifully in the podcast is we challenge, we challenge Bond as a character. Like, just Bond the idea. You know, like you said a, a little while ago, do we still need Bond? Is that the idea? Is it like, does it need to be a Bond of color? Does Bond need to be a woman? Or does it just need to be a new story? And and, and do we really let Bond die? Uh, you know, spoiler mm. alert. Uh, <laughs> Daniel do Craig, we, right. You know, do we really just let it let it go? And, which we are not. I think we're, I think that's, that's clear by all the talk and uh but yeah well you know it also brings into question now we can get into these bond philosophical question uh questions here now uh so if we if we if we do retire bond or if we do keep bond a what did bond want once we could talk about what bond once resent represented you know and and it was clearly you know an unabashed male fantasy now Going into the future, what what should Bond represent? What what as a Bond fan, what do you feel Bond should represent? Do you feel he should be 
uh, you know, to use a better, not to use a better phrase, be neutered in any way or changed or mm -hmm. enhanced, expanded, you know, redefining masculinity in some way? Or what's your, what, what do you think should be, you know, irregardless of race? I hope not, not neutered, right? Because there's an edge to him. And so we want to keep the edge, or I'll even say to them, we want to keep the edge to bond. Uh, but I like I like the word you used, expanding, right? Let's let's look at a more expansive idea of masculinity, apocalyptic masculinity. Let's let's look at the exterior characters around Bond. You know, the villain, the villains with accents, pretty much often foreign villains like, with accents. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> hashtag villains with accents. Accent. Yes, yes. You know. Uh, so maybe it's looking at the world out around him. Like, who's the villain? Is this woman a full character? Uh, and so, yes, I think it's expansive. I think it can, you know, keep Bond more expansive, not neuter, keep the edge, but but challenge challenge Bond a little more, challenge his thoughts, challenge mm. his ideas, and. I mean, when I say that out loud, I'm like, that's a better, that's a good film. <laughs> yes, it is. Right. Yes. This is a movie. All right. Well, we're talking with Rivas, Chris Rivas, here on listener-sponsored radio, WBAI. And we're going to take, uh, Chris, are you down to take a couple calls? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. So stand by. The phone number, 212-209-2877. Is this Keith Brown? Uh, yeah, it's it's somebody. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm the masked Bond, I'm the new one. All right. <laughs> so, um, just so you know, Chris, this is this is a, a ringer. This is uh, Keith uh, Keith Brown. He's uh, he's uh, an occasional co-host on the show. He's also uh, an illustrator, uh, award-winning illustrator, and uh, and a James Bond fan, a Brown. James Amazing. Bond fan. So, Keith, <laughs> so Chris, meet Keith. Keith, meet Chris. Hey, Chris, how you doing, man? What's going on, brother? All right. So, what and, was your question? You know, well, my question is, I, I did listen to some of the podcast, and and I was I was fascinated with the story, and I have to say, um, you know, this whole this whole idea of this super. Man of mystery, uh, guy who's like all international man of mystery idea. Can it like connect to a lot of different sort of uh, characters? You know, 
I mean, in the sense that, you know, James Bond, we know the version that's, you know, the, um, the traditional one that's in the movies and was created by Ian Fleming, but the one, this idea of this international romantic man of mystery, can't we call them all James Bonds in a weird way? I mean, what makes this, what makes it, and I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce his name properly. I have to ask you to pronounce it again because I don't want to say it wrong. Ruby Rosef? Yeah. Yes. It, what makes um, him the one that is the model for the actual uh, one that we're that we're that, that we're known so well? Yeah. So I think. Good question. When the podcast came out, a friend of mine was in Iceland, and in Iceland, like right in the middle of Reykjavik, is a giant billboard that says, "Is James Bond Icelandic?" And then it has the name of this this Icelandic spy. So everyone has one, right? And and right. everybody has one, and it's this, and it's actually based on this. And Ian Fleming served here, and it's just the name of this. And uh, we do our best to provide a pretty good amount of research that shows how these two ran in the same circles and how they had the same friends. And there's no way that he didn't know about this person. Right. And so I he could have I been see. involved in, he could have been involved in, in that combination and formula of, of 12, 10, 8, 7, 6 people. Uh, so I, so we can't speak to that. You know, that's what we gave. We can't guarantee anything. We can't make a promise. Now, now Chris, can I ask you this? Uh, I, I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, and you're probably much more of the Ian Fleming uh, historian than I am, but uh, was, isn't it true that he, at some point, worked for MI5? That is not... I haven't heard that. He was definitely a naval officer. Mm -hmm. He was a naval officer... Uh, is the most that I remember off the top of my head right now of yeah, information. No, I, 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 like yeah, I've read about it. No, I, I've heard that rumor, but I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. But go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm just going to support you. Well, on the, that. the only reason I bring that up is because if you are part of MI5 and, and, and you are a real spy and you are creating a character, you know, in a series of books, is it possible that? Uh, Bond is sort of a mixture of different people that he ran against in, you know, in his travels and his, you know, uh, you know, sort of inspirations. So, you know, I think all of these, um, please. Yeah, I think completely. I think he could be the mixture. I think what we, what we attempt to do in the podcast, and I, and I think we do it well, is we say, here's this person who was an introduction that could have been Bond, right? And it's more about the could have been and the why not. And then we break down sort of Bond as far more than a character, but as an American ideal, as a, as a Hollywood ideal, as a what does that mean to people who aren't white, young kids, young, you know, that it's far less about who's it on, but why have we never seen it this way? And you know the other thing, even when we, yeah, please. 
No, I was going to say the other thing I think is interesting is that I have heard, you know, a lot of talk about it being a, a, maybe a black bond next, you know, like Idris Elba or maybe a female. But I've, I've, this is the first time I've heard of the idea of it being, you know, a Latin uh, bond, which would be fabulous. And I, don't, I can't believe no one's even mentioned it as, as even possibility before. I mean, Latin or, you know, there's, there's so many other places it could be besides uh, British white guys. And, <laughs> and I think that's, that's the invitation we're making. You mean after to... seven bonds, seven yeah. white guys, yeah. maybe? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, just like it can be. <laughs> Especially when you can say. It doesn't have to be yeah, Latino. It can just be everyone, anyone. Yeah, and, and you think consider that, you know, a modern spy, I mean, I feel like if, if Daniel Craig walked up on me, you know, saying, that, hey, uh, do you know where that drug uh, bust is happening? You're like, hey, this guy's got to be a spy. He's like, he looks like Daniel Craig. Well, first I mean, of all, first of all, you know that, <laughs> first of all, somebody, Keith, first of all, you know that happens yeah. to you all the time. Daniel Craig, if you guys walk up to you. Uh, uh, yeah. Now, hold on. I just want you to know that we're getting a lot of people calling here, so stand by there. All right. All right. I just want to get a lot of people calling. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Yeah. Hello, Mike. Yes. Is this Eugene? It's Eugene Key. Key. Eugene Key. Now you have to turn your 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 computer. You have to turn your computer down. After what? Turn your computer down because we're here. I just did. Okay, yeah. We hear ourselves in the past. All right, so Eugene, you called because you are. Uh, Eugene, this is Chris. Chris, this is Eugene. Eugene is also uh, a huge Bond fan and has. this is his first time hearing about any of this, too. So, Eugene, what did you call to say to Chris? Eugene, this is Chris. Chris, this is Eugene. Hey, Eugene. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm great. Great. You know, it's good to hear, you know, about a lot of brothers who have been into James Bond. And if I could just share it briefly, that my brother, my late brother, was the one who got me into James Bond. He read all the Ian Fleming books, and he was a big fan. And he actually took me to my first Bond movie. And I know I'm going to show my age a little bit, but but I was really young when I saw this film. And it was... Um, you only live twice. And at the time, these movies were rated differently than they are now. Um, this movie was rated M. Uh, they kindly were made it M for mature audiences. So I'm thinking I was probably about 10 maybe when it came out. My brother took me, and I didn't know what to expect. And I remember seeing that first scene with the Murphy bed. Murphy bed goes up. Uh, the Asian guys come up and they're shooting up the bed. This is the opening sequence before the uh, Nancy, uh, Nancy Sinatra theme song, which I remember. And the bed comes down and there's blood trickling on the on, on the seat. And it freaked me out, you know. You don't see that stuff on TV, you know, you see it in the movies. So my brother looks at me and goes, you all right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. I didn't know what to expect for the rest of the movie. I was kind of scared just to see that. But I was very happy that I was able to see Sean Connery in his almost last movie. And also, 
what James Bond was about. I liked it. Little Nelly, if you remember the movie with the helicopter and stuff like that, and he was getting married to this girl, Aki. I remember it you know, very vividly. And uh, it's nice to see that the, the people still are involved with James Bond. I also, just for a side thing, I also had the pleasure of meeting Pierce Bronson years ago. I'm also an actor, too, by the way, Chris. Or I was. I'm kind of semi-retired now. And um, I had the pleasure of meeting him. He was very kind. And I was striking up a conversation mainly about some of the movies that he was making in his own production company. And Mike and I had actually seen one of the movies that he that he did. I can't remember the name of it right now. But I'm going to say I'm definitely going to check out your podcast, Chris. I think it's you a great idea. It great. Absolutely. Right. Let, thank think... you for letting me boring you with my <laughs> my little story. <laughs> See you. Bring, my you... question to you, Chris, is like we were talking about who's going to be James Bond next. And I heard lots of rumors about some guy, and I can't remember the name of this show because I don't watch a lot of cable television or television at all. And they, he, he, he quit. Or he quit the. All right, just so you know, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about Reg Jean Page. Just so you know, Chris, Eugene lives in a cave. He still has a flip phone. You know, he's like a Luddite. So, Not yes. anymore, Mike. <laughs> what? Not anymore. I'm calling you on a galaxy. Oh, wow. Your first smartphone. <laughs> it's only 2022. Look at welcome. So, I'm moving, <laughs> all right. moving into it. Finally, moving all right. So, your question, your question is him is is who do you think chris i guess is his his long question to you is who do you think should be the next bond and and of what do you have a choice other than uh chris rivas uh yeah, chris rivas. no i definitely i definitely don't i don't have a preference i mean i look i would not be mad if it was atrius because i think he's great uh i think he's fantastic um i do not have a choice or a preference i just know there are a lot of people who can do that I'll be honest. When Daniel Craig got it, I was I was surprised. Uh, looking at his resume before, and uh, so I, I just know if they actually, you know, expanded their search a little, they would find the right person. Or no, not right, because not everyone's going to be happy. Such uh, is the world. But yeah, I don't have a preference. Well, my I, my question is: Is there a, uh, a deadline? Because is there a possibility of plans of making a new movie? You know, like in the next couple of years, like they always do. So there must be some sort of. Uh, well, I'm thinking maybe some sort of deadline for them to to do it, or they're being very hush hush about it. I think maybe the problem with Idris is they did ask for like a. I think it's something like a seven and ten year commitment. That's the latest news to come out. Wow, that's a lot. Well, I also think that Idris has kind of aged out of being Bond at this point. That you know, I mean, I think Idris yeah. would have been a great Bond, but I think that time has passed. And uh, you know, I, I mean, let's put it this way: Regine Page. I, I don't feel he has the physique. I think a Bond should have. I think Bond should look like he kick your, kick your butt. But then again, you know, Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan were not the most, you know physically, 
you know, menacing. Well, you know, you know they, we always have to admit, in my opinion, if you didn't see Sean Connery, a lot of people grew up with Roger Moore or whatever, and that's their favorite James Bond. No, 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 no. Chris opinion, is, all right, Chris is, Chris is our guest's favorite James Bond is Daniel Craig. Am I correct, Chris? You are correct. I Because of what you said, I think he's actually the tough, like, I think he's the, the most uh, convincing tough-wise. Like, you're like, oh, you could do this stuff physically, and you can be charming. Well, there it is. Yeah. See, there I agree. Is. I agree. But I, I agree. But I also would say that Sean Connery has set the bar. Wow. There's no doubt. I, I mean, to me, that he has set the bar. There's no and, doubt that uh, you are a Sean Connery fan, uh, Eugene. There's, there's zero, <laughs> zero doubt. I do like one or two uh, Roger Moore movies. I was always a big fan of his from from TV, you know, The Saints and The Persuaders. Of course. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I do. Uh, All right, but now, listen. I was I, a big fan of his back then, and when they mentioned he was going to be the new James Bond, my brother and I were like... Wait, there, who was going to who's gonna be next yeah. James Bond? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Roger Moore. Oh, Roger. You were into Roger Moore being the new James Bond. Yeah, well, I knew him from The Persuaders, which is a short-lived British television show from Times with Tony Curtis. And they were kind of like, you know, agents and kind of thing. They, we were, thought they were playboys. Really they, suave, were, you know? they were playboys. When it was announced that he was going to be Bond, we were like, yeah, he could do this, sure, you know. Sure. All right, Eugene, I am glad that you called. And I don't know if you know Keith is there. Keith, did you see? say hello to Eugene? Yes. Hey, hey Gene. Chris, I'll be checking out your podcast, man. Oh, he can't hear me. Did you just say it out or you're going to? No, he says he's going to check it out. He said he's going to check it out. I'm going to check it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. And and Keith was saying hello to you, Eugene. I don't know if you could say here, Keith. He was saying hello. Thanks for having me back on the show, Mike. All right, could you hear Keith? Keith was saying hello. Keith. Hey, Keith, I didn't hear you. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, man. By the way, I just wanted to say that story you told, uh, you know, the whole thing about going to You Only Live Twice, I had the exact same story, and I had the exact same reaction. I saw it in the theater, and when I saw it with my friends, and that first scene just freaked me out. See, I said, how can Bond not be dead? And then seeing the blood... And I said, oh, my God, this is so violent. This is so horrible. Uh, it, 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 it made me scared to go to the bomb building for a while. That's how little I was. All right, so I got I to gotta ask Chris now. Chris, what was your first Bond movie, and what was that experience like? Like, Did it instantly make you a James Bond fan? What was your first Bond movie that you remember? My first Bond was, was, a, was a Brosnan one. Uh, and it, and it, did, it did instantly make me a fan and it was probably I mean it was probably GoldenEye uh, most definitely and it instantly made me a fan and I didn't go back I probably didn't start going back and watching other ones until many years later like I saw I saw him do another one and then I was like oh this is super tight let me like get some history in here and then went through all of them uh, but yeah that was my has been but I might not have seen it also right when it came out because I would have been young. <laughs> yeah, you've been young. All right. Well, you're definitely not in Eugene's. Uh, 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 you didn't see you only twice. All right. So now the phones have been lit, <laughs> your phones have been lit up uh, the, the entire time. I'm going to see if I can take another call here. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes. 
Hello? Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello? Yes. Um, I hate to be a spoiler. Uh, first of all, I'm a James Bond fan. Okay. But um, to your guest, how, did you, how do you reconcile that Ruby Rosa was a, a, a spy for one of the most brutal dictators to ever grace the face of the Caribbean? Mm. Uh, the Dominican Republic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no sure. different than, I guess, James Bond being a spy for the Queen. It's, it's, it's know, exactly the, the same. It's exactly the so same. It, but but how do you personally reconcile that when, you know, with all of the dashing, you know, sexual escapades as opposed to the torture and the brutal treatment of the people in the Dominican Republic? How do you, how do you, gloss over that or if you don't gloss over it how do you reconcile both yeah i don't have to reconcile it because i don't gloss over it i think we do a really beautiful job of i believe in radical responsibility as a person and as an artist and uh I, I, i'm not familiar with that, that term radical responsibility I, i'm not you know I'm, I'm a little older so i'm that's why i'm bringing uh, question of I'm not making a judgment here about you. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, no, 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 yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, it it, it doesn't need reconciling. It, it it needs honesty, and so I think we do a really beautiful job in the podcast of calling out. Like this isn't this isn't a uh, I want to be him. You know, again, it's like oh, is this a warning of what I could become? What does it look like to speak up? What does it look like to uh, demand justice in unright situations? Uh, we we do all of that. We definitely call out Trujillo and, and the worst, one of the worst genocides in the history of the world, you know, 30,000 patients overnight. And we call out Ruby's closeness to that and his inability to not speak up and challenge Trujillo. But how many of us, especially bodies of color, haven't challenged when someone says something messed up, haven't spoken up. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it with that non-speaking up, and is it, is it because of the dashing nature of who Ruby Rosa was? I mean, at one point he was supposedly engaged to uh, Doris Duke, I think. The yeah, he married Doris Duke. Um, he, married, he married her, right? Yeah. We think, you know, I'm not, I can't, I can't speak for him, but we think, we surmise that he didn't speak up because that was his livelihood. That was his source of income. You know, Trujillo was, was the way he got to parade around the world uh, and live the life he did. They both, they both needed each other. And so he yeah. didn't bite the hand that fed him. Okay. So uh, I didn't hear I didn't hear listen to the podcast. I, I'm I'm new to this. It's just that I'm I heard the name Ruby Rosa, so you know I'm a little familiar with you know his background. Um, not all the way, but I mean the juxtaposition between him and Bond is, is the perfect juxtaposition because in the same way that the James Bond character coming from Ian Fleming, who was kind of a spy writer, and you know covering for Empire in a sense, with the character of James Bond, you know, the dashing guy that's, you know, running around the world, sleeping with women, doing all of this good, all of these good deeds, but we never hear about what's going on in the Congo. There's a reluctance uh, to even have 
uh, uh, James Bond of color, even now, that people would probably be shocked more than a Batman, a, a dark Batman or, or uh, you know, any other character, you know, fictional character, that I think the James Bond iconography would, you know, you guys are talking about who's going to be the next Bond, but it wouldn't be a Denzel Washington, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, again, that's that's why we're talking about it. So, uh, and what's your name, sir? My name is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Well, thank yeah. you, thank you for calling, Emmanuel. I think you asked some very, very good questions, and, and we're still getting a ton of calls. But I, I, I want to thank you for calling. Uh, hello, you're on the air. Hello. Okay. Playing possum. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. WBAI? Yes, it is. And you're on the air. Hello. Yes, hello. And this what, is David. David, all right, David, uh, you're here, and you know we're speaking with Chris Rivas, who is the creator of the podcast Ruby Rosa, which tells the life story of, among other things, Ruby Rosa, uh, along with uh, quite a lot of information. And uh, I just want to say, for the record, um, all the questions that everybody's been asking are answered in the podcast. I <laughs> just want to say that. I just want to say that. I'm wondering, uh, uh, race aside, uh, does James Bond really need the change? Does he need to be politically correct? Well, that's that's a very good question. That's what we're asking. I'm I'm, I'm positing that question, and All and right. and if he isn't, then w w what is it? Then is he just just a male fantasy? Like there are female fantasies. There are male fantasies. Is it, is it is it okay to have it? Is it that what he is, or is it glorifying something that shouldn't be glorified? That's that's the question. What, what if it's him, him being the way we've known it? Well, maybe not as rapey as we've seen him in some of the early films, but that attitude. But the rest of the world has changed around him. So to see a Bond trying to function the way we've always known Bond. But the rest of the world doesn't function that way. The well, I think I think start. that's like Austin Powers. I think I think more likely, yeah. <laughs> like what we were saying earlier, we for Bond to be. Listen, I, I think the idea. You know, I'll just tell you what I think. I think the idea of someone who is very good at what they do, and whether it's seducing people uh it, you know seducing is not always something sexual you can seduce you can be a diplomat you can be very good you know that has to be a skill he would have if he's got to be something somebody who actually cares and believes in what he's doing uh, unless he's become a cold robot then who wants to watch that movie so so there are a lot of things that can be done to create dimension to what it would be just like they've done with superhero comic books probably more than the movies yet where okay what would it be if you're in this position what is that life you know i think daniel craig explored some of that would you agree uh, yeah i think daniel craig did a a great job at it he in in terms of the uh story casino royale is probably my my favorite one because it shook things up so much compared to the last few with with uh, with the goofiness um, what are you, uh, you, you, so, uh, uh, of course, Connery remains my favorite. Now, let me ask you, Chris, uh, which is your favorite Daniel Craig? Oh, 
I is it fair to say I just I like love I love this last one. I loved it so much. Uh, I thought writing wise, you know, just because also like I think I do sort of work in the business. Writing wise, I was like I thought it was one of the more clever ones. Wait, maybe I'm lying. The one with. Uh, <laughs> uh, Javier Bardem. The one with Javier Bardem is incredible. Is that Skyfall? Um, yes, I believe it. Keith, is that Skyfall? The one with Javier? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Think so. Yeah, uh, I think that it is. actually, that yeah. actually might be it. That that one, because Javier is also so good. He was a great Bond villain. Yeah, he was a great Bond villain. Great. Uh, great and villain. that last scene is just, so and also different like, and original. Yeah. He, did, he didn't seem like some sort of a redo of one that existed before, you know. Like, I thought what they did with, um, what's that one, uh, he, he, he redid somebody, I can't remember who, the guy from uh, Glory Fasters, the, uh, the German actor. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he did, he did, he redid an old villain, I can't remember which one, though. Anyway, I didn't think he was very good. But Javier, just, he just, he got scared for a bond. He was like, right. how is Vaughn going to mess with this guy? You know? Yeah, that actually might be it, just because he was so wonderful. Yeah, he was. Well, I think, you know, I don't remember who said it, but, you know, uh, it doesn't matter who the hero is if it's not a great villain. A great villain makes oh, yeah. hero great. So. Very true. You, yeah. you could arguably say that the Joker is a more interesting character than Batman. You know? Well, I, Oh, for I, sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, Darth sure. Vader is more interesting than Luke, you know? So, uh, and, you know, I think that that's, that's you know, uh, I, I, I think that that is a truism. That has always been true. So we're, we're still getting a lot of calls. Chris, are you still down to hang for a little bit and take a few more calls? Yeah, I think I can do two or, two or one more, depending on how long it is. All right, okay, we'll see. All right, hello, you're on the air. Hello, you're on the air. Uh, David's still here. David, I know you're still there. I was trying to bring somebody else in. Hello. Okay. Hello, you're on the air. Hello. Okay. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Okay. Well, those calls have been blinking and blinking and blinking, so maybe they, they faded away. I'll give out the number for one more time. Uh, and I do have a couple questions for you, though, Chris. Uh, the phone number is 212-209-2877. What's your thought on, on what's happening right now? Uh, speaking of heroes, speaking of icons, and you're an actor, um, you're, you're in a show now that uh, people may know you for and uh maybe you could tell me a little bit about the show call me cat but um wh what do you think about what's happening in the industry in terms of representation uh are you excited about where we are now do you feel like we haven't you know made enough progress what, what, what's your take because you are both you know working for storytellers and a storyteller yourself I love the I love the language working for storytellers. Uh, <laughs> I do I do because I often say things don't really change in media until the check signers start to look and feel different. Like it's nice to receive big checks, but until the ones up top, you know, True. start looking and sounding and coming from your experiences, things don't really change. 
Uh, all I said, call me cat is a sitcom on Fox. It's, uh, it is, has an unbelievable cast of, of like legends and sweet, sweet, incredible people. Uh, it is far from an action movie. Uh, <laughs> I am, <laughs> true. I am, I am grateful. Where is Hollywood going as far as diversity and stuff? You listen to the podcast. We have a whole episode about this. Yes. It's taking a step back, uh, which is crazy because there's so much talk. Uh, if you talk loud enough, people might not look for the action. You know, the talk might uh, might make people think action is happening when it's really not. That's a and very good so point. that's currently what's happening in probably in the world, like not just in Hollywood and stuff, but there's probably a, you know, in corporate America, all this talk of diversity and inclusion might actually be hindering the actual action because they're bringing in all the people to give talks about diversity and inclusion. Uh, and so that's where Hollywood is. It's, it's taken step back, but I do believe more people are speaking up and, and, and fighting and speaking out and voicing what they need. And so I have hope because I, uh, I'm not a person who, you know, wants to be hopeless. Okay. Well, I, I also want to ask you because, you know, if I look at your uh, uh, your IMDb, you have some things coming up and, you know, you, you've had you've had an interesting career. And uh, I'm wondering if, you know, because you're a writer and you've profiled so many people and plan to do more, do you, do you see yourself wanting to play real life characters? Is that something you, you've considered? Yeah, especially? I think. Yeah, talk to I, me. I consider that for sure. Uh, real life characters are. <laughs> I'm laughing deep down inside because I have this, I have this internal joke that it's not a joke; it's real. We give an Oscar to everyone who does an impersonation. That was my uh, We like <laughs> love. True. We love impersonations um, or portrayals. Maybe not impersonations. Uh, let me not belittle it. And as an actor, I think it's more difficult to come up with a compelling thing that doesn't exist, you know, to create something new. That's just sort of what I think about craft. But yes, all that said, I would totally, you know, portray someone who has existed because I think it ties into my overall theme of showing how rich uh, our histories are and where we come from and what's in our blood. So I'm totally down to portray something, uh, and you know, there's a chance in this world it'll it'll happen. Well, I think I think there's more than a chance. I mean, um, you know, now you know to me it's it seems like you know this was you know you were a James Bond fan, which led you to you know being interested in all things Bond, you know, and then once you find out that about Ruby Rosa, and that becomes something of you know a hobby, and then expands and becomes more. Than, than a hobby now it's a project and it's and it's put you on a trajectory uh and i i i'm curious also about your you know the, of course the big final question is uh what do you think uh because i've thought about it now what do you think the advantages would be to a latin james bond What are the advantages to the character or to the culture? Well, well, here's the deal. If if a, there were a Latin James Bond, right, and and if there were a Latin James Bond, and we're, and we're gonna 
ground James Bond in reality, he would have to have the ability to code switch. And that would be part of what he could do. He could be the Latin lover or he could sound like the British whatever because he's that good. So yep. what, what's what's your take? I, I want to know. What do you think of the idea of a Latin I mean, James Bond? In a way, I think a Latin Bond can code switch better than a British. You know, like yeah, a Latin, any brown man person could code switch and play with all the sides. You know, can can play with the uppity uh, at the country club and can hang out in the in the bars late at night uh, and can go maybe even hit the basketball court. Like, I think, I think that's what's so nice. Yeah, about we've never seen James Bond. We've never seen yeah. James Bond play basketball. That's right. Yeah. I think that's what's so nice about Bond as a body of, you know, culture is like, we've been, we've been co-switching and fine forever. Truth. Well, if we've been doing it, let's do it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Thing. And let that be part of what he can do as a spy. Yeah. So, all right, Keith, what's your thought on on a Latin James Bond? I want to know your thought here. Hey, man, whatever works. Uh, <laughs> I agree with Chris. Uh, you know, go ahead and, and, and do whatever, man. I mean, you might as well lean in. Right. Because you know, the last thing you want is some... You know, brown person or black person or Asian person acting like a white dude, you know, culturally speaking. You know, if you're going to do it, then have it go with it. You know, like if they were to do Idris, then make Idris cool as hell, you know, and make him kind of like a shaft bomb or something. I don't know, a British shaft bomb. I mean, but you don't want to, you don't want to just go in and say he's doing the exact same thing that some other actor has done, but he's just doing it in blackface, doing it in. You know, and I, I think uh, if you have to add all the elements, you know. I mean, maybe if you create a new origin uh, for a Bond and just totally rethink him, you wouldn't have him come from, you know, wherever they said he did in, um, you know, in, in the movies. You have him come from, you know, somewhere, you know, South America or something. I don't know. Well, I, anyway, I, think, I think at this point... I think you have to yeah. rethink the whole thing if you're going to change the race. I don't think you should just go in there and Insert say, this is Bond... It precisely, because one thing I, I, I never liked was when, you know, like even in comics, you know, I remember there was a character called Goliath, and then they had like the black Goliath. And then, you know, like you don't want to have just a black version of a white character. You want to have a black version of a character that was, it was conceived. Like, you mean like like the black white. odd couple? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that> was, <laughs> or, or, you know, what, what they did in TV, which is the, uh, the or black. Or the black uh, honeymooners. Yeah, what did they they did exactly. one recently of like a an old family show? Yes, and they did like, a black version. You know, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know. Although apparently, and I'm like, they did a yeah, one day at a time. Yeah, one day they did a Latino version, one day at a time. They, right? they completely yeah. redid it and made it culturally relevant. You know, so you do it. That's the only way to do it and be successful, I think, because if you do it the other way, it almost never works. If you try to just make, put black actors like I don't know, Cedric Entertainer, have them playing. Um, you know, Jackie, Jackie Gleason. Gleason. Yeah, that was. Yeah. You know, it's just it's gonna be like if it was it was it was impossible to watch. It was bad. You have or, to you have to you know come or from you know, Will Smith as uh, in Wild Wild West. Well, you know, l let me ask you this though, uh, Chris, because I'm assuming 
Are, now, are you a fan of Marvel movies, comics, anything like that? Are you into that at all? Love Marvel. Okay, good. So, so to me, it's it's all about the universe now. So you know, and if you know, if you can retell uh, an origin and and a worldview, you know what what like like we've talked about. If you were to rethink James Bond, it would make sense for him to be racially ambidextrous you know what i'm saying it would make sense it would give him an edge don't you think a hundred percent so yeah i'm on I'm, uh, I'm on board you're on board all right so we're gonna we'll work on the script this weekend okay <laughs> so um now let me ask you the i guess my last couple questions here uh just to make sure that people can find uh ruby rosa it's anywhere you can get podcasts uh brown enough is is also if you started listening to ruby rosa you said it'll meld right into that um and your book is available i'm assuming amazon yeah, all that everywhere amazon everywhere barnes and nobles all the things okay so um you know what do you want to do next and or and or more importantly where where has this has this led you anywhere that you did not expect to go that now you're going with it Ooh, good question uh what do i want to do next i have <laughs> a lot of things in the works uh where did it lead me towards I think it just led me, I'll go backwards. It led me towards, it's really helped me sort of uncover my voice as a person, but especially as an artist in this world and the types of stories I want to tell. And uh, so, because this project took a lot longer than we thought it would. And it went to a lot more places than we thought it would. And, you know, you listened and we ended up in different countries and, uh, I had conversations I never thought I would have when I started this journey. So there's that, right? I feel like I've come a lot closer to my voice as an artist, uh, and that's exciting. So whenever I write another book, you know, my second book, I'm like, oh, that's going to be that's going to be even closer to me than my first book. And my first book feels like it's, you know, directly sort of first of me. Uh, so that's that's that answer. And then what project? Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm writing all the time and creating, and we have a couple of exciting things sort of coming up that I can't officially say, but uh, things are being made, and the the storytellers that originate the stories are are changing, and I, I feel grateful to be a part of that. Well, I, I I'm. I'm glad to hear that, and, and I agree. I think there's never been, I mean, sure, there's still a long way to go, but there's never been a better time in this industry for us to make moves and do things. So, uh, And I appreciate the amount of time you've given us. And, and Keith, did you have any final question or, or for Chris before we let him go? No, just, um, Chris, thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you for bringing... Uh, this gentleman to our attention. This history is important. It should be known. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just a great thing 
uh, that you put so much of your time and effort and also, you know, creating a journey of your own. So thank you for that. Thanks, y'all. This has been a this has been a blast. This is really great. All right. Well, uh, well, I, and I, have you done any live radio shows? I mean, this is almost like a thing. That, first time. All the more reason first, why I like. It. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and we. I have to tell you, we had a lot of calls that were, were coming in that, that we didn't get to take. So, um, but uh, hopefully, you'll come back with the next thing. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so. Chris Rebus. Now, do you have a website of your own, too? Do, do people can find yeah, you? Yeah, it's ChristopherRebus.com. Okay, ChristopherRebus.com. And you're on Twitter and everything Instagram, else? Instagram, all the, all the things. All the things. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, y'all. Good night. Good
You don't trust anyone, do you, James? I report to the Prime Minister, and even he's smart enough not to ask me what we do. They don't care what we do, they care what we get photographed doing. Who the hell do they think they are? And how the hell could one be so stupid? I give him double O status and he celebrates by shooting up an embassy. Is the man deranged? Where the hell is he?
You are still tuned to listener-sponsored radio, WBAI 99.5 FM, and on the web at WBAI.org. I'm Mike Sargent, and we've been speaking with Chris Rivas, who is the producer of a podcast called Ruby Rosa, about a man named Ruby Rosa, who he presents quite a bit of evidence could easily have been the inspiration, the true inspiration for James Bond, as complicated as that could possibly be, and it is. So, I've been playing some James Bond music, some more updated and some classic. Night Shift is on from 10 p.m. to midnight, Mondays. Life is like science fiction. And if you're enjoying or have enjoyed the show, please consider making a pledge. You can call right now, 212-209-2950. Just make a pledge and become a WBA buddy in the name of Night Shift. Support the station, support Night Shift, so I can continue doing shows like this. If you've enjoyed this at all, enjoy the conversation, the thoughts, the music. Maybe you were James Bond or are a James Bond fan and had no idea. And you only found out here on Night Shift. 212-209-2950. Make a pledge. Become a BAI buddy. We've been on for 30 years. So make a $30 pledge. I'd say that's... Become a BI buddy for $30 a month. Celebrate night shift. 212-209-2950. Do it right now.
listening to rough and tough recordings. Good night, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> <laughs> 